This is Nobody Likes Casey McLean, with your host, the one and only person who thinks this podcast should exist, Casey McLean. Thank you for tuning in to the Nobody Likes Casey McLean podcast. This is Casey McLean. On this episode, I talked to Austin Nasso, who is a uh, formerly Seattle-based stand-up comedian. He lives in L.A. now. Funny thing, if you're watching this, we talked about my shirt. You'll see it on the actual episode, but how it interacts with a green screen. If you're not familiar with a green screen, these parts where you can see, it looks like there's a, a hole through me, and if I drank water, it would pour out. Uh, that's because of a green screen. Uh, Austin Nasso is blowing up on TikTok. There's been a bunch of Seattle comics who are really crushing on TikTok, and he's maybe crushing harder than any of those comics. I said this to him in the DM that I sent him to get him on the podcast, but he does a Donald Trump impression that's funnier, in my opinion. Check him out on TikTok. Check him out on YouTube. Austin Nasso, A-U-S-T-I-N-N-A-S-S-O. Check him out. His Trump impression, his Biden impressions are the funniest Trump and Biden impressions I've seen because one, he writes well for them, but two, he's, there's like, he, I think captures how funny both guys are without pandering, which is, I think, uh, it's a talent. So please check him out. Find me on Instagram across all social media. I'm also on TikTok. Find me at the Casey McLean. Uh, I just started a new podcast with my friend Chase Myers. It's called High and Inside. Maybe when, you know what? Maybe when we're done being in quarantine, it'll be changed to High and Outside because uh, we won't have to stay inside anymore. But it's it's called High and Inside. Chase is high and we're all inside is, uh, is the concept. My friend and former podcast guest, Kevin Eggleston, is um is producing it and it's about sports kind of it's like loosely about sports i'd say 50 percent about sports so right now it's on anchor it's on youtube uh it'll be on all social media platforms or all uh all podcast platforms coming up so keep an eye out for that and for now please enjoy we talk a lot of tiktok again it's the second episode with a lot of tiktok but i find it very interesting and this might be why you don't like me uh, is because I talk too much about TikTok, and that's fine. Um, oh, I'm ordering shirts. I'm ordering Nobody Likes Casey McLean shirts, and uh, I don't give a shit if you buy them. Um, I don't give a shit if you buy them because they're going to sell on the road, hopefully fucking crossing my fingers that they sell. Um, however, if you would like to buy them, they'll be available on my website, thecaseymcclain.com. And uh, I'll put a link in my bio to uh, – it's on my link tree. If you're familiar with link tree, I have a link tree, and I'll put a link to the merch store if you're interested in that. So anyways, uh, Austin Nasso, great on TikTok. He has a really popular and amazing show called Socially Inept that sells out all over the country. They roast tech professionals. It's – uh. An amazing show idea, by the way. I wish that I was unique enough in some way to have like a built-in audience and then talented enough to find that audience and make content that they like. Him and a, a hopefully future podcast guest, but fellow comedian, Jesse Warren, do that show. 
So check that out. I think they have a Twitter uh, that's probably socially inept, and there will be links, um, I'm sure, on all of their their bios and whatnot to it. But if it comes to your city, check it out, especially if you work in the tech industry. Go check it out. Okay, please enjoy Austin Nasso. Hey, this is the Nobody Likes Casey McLean podcast. Please check out my stand-up dates at thecaseymcclain.com. Also, follow me on all social media at thecaseymcclain. Check out stand-up clips and videos of mine at youtube.com slash McLean. This podcast is brought to you by Anchor. Anchor is where I host this podcast. It's where the file sits. It's also a great place if you want to start a podcast where you can record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When you're hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast to all the listening platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Google Podcast. Whatever you're listening to this podcast on, you can get your podcast to that platform very easily. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. So, when I bought this shirt... And tried to wear it the one time I tried to use a green screen for the podcast, and it looks so stupid, obviously, because yeah, the, half the shirt washes out. It just went right through. Hold on, yeah. let me. I'm gonna switch my um to my headphones. All right. Okay. What does your shirt say? I settled in Catan. <clears throat> is that what is Catan? I, I'm like that, uh, that board game. It we made it for oh, our tech okay. our tech roast show originally. Yeah. So the that's one funny. And I run. Yeah. Are so you're in L.A. now. Yeah. But you were you were a Seattle comic, and I was trying to think if I've ever met you in person. I'm not I sure. I don't think we've ever met in person. I think we've followed each other on Twitter for like a long time, but I don't I think, think we've ever met in person. Where yeah, did you, what, when you lived here, where did you go up the most? So I would go to mostly Comedy Underground, Laughs, Dry Tie, um, The Flying Boots, Mike occasionally, um, the, the what's the one in Renton, I would go occasionally after The oh, Underground. The 907? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I'll just, I'll okay. do those. Um, that makes sense. How about you? I was I did 907 a fair amount. I would do the underground, but I mean, uh, I was never like I never felt like one of the underground's comics. You know what I mean? Uh, you know what? Let me make sure before I fuck this up completely that I have the right. I almost. Oh, I did do it. What a moron! I, do I sound like shit? Do I sound you... better now? Yeah. Oh my god! You what sound an idiot. better. I almost you weren't using the podcast mic. Yeah, what an idiot. Um, no, you're good. All right. So, uh, yeah, I mean, like, uh, the Underground's, uh, I've always liked it, but I was never there enough to, like, I knew, like, Mike Mazzalotti decently well uh, and, like, a couple comics that went there, but I was never, like, I never, like, hung out at the Underground. You know what I mean? No, it makes sense. Um, your mic sounds amazing. You sound like a god. What is oh, that? Oh, thank you. This is a Rode Broadcaster, which That's I discovered. Insane. I discovered 
Yeah, this is this uh, software, by the way, is like I don't know what how much of this kind of stuff you do, but the it's like the easiest one I found. The audio quality is like good enough, and then it's like you can do so much shit with it. This is so good. That Rode mic is amazing. I'm using a Yeti mic, but that that's way better. Are you that. using? Did did you you set the Yeti mic to the Yeti mic? Um, what do you mean set it to the Yeti mic? Can you? Oh, you're tapping on it right now. Oh, is it not? I'm wondering because it do, it's done that to everybody I've had on this to this point. Oh, it's actually using my Yeti. That's good. Okay, good. So, yeah, the this is like I mean it's like a broadcast mic, but it's also uh, it's a condenser mic, but it's like end address. Nobody, I, nobody ever listens to me talk about microphones. So the next forty five minutes, I'm just going to talk about microphones. Great, we'll yeah. Let's go into it. Yeah, it's like one of the rare like broadcast mics that's end address. That's also a condenser. mic. What does that mean? End address. So like a condenser mic, usually the Yeti, you talk into the side of it and mm -hmm. this one, you talk into the top of it. And so then it isolates. It's like, doesn't get as much noise out of the back, like in the other parts of the room. Like I have another laptop running over there, um, for work. And then like a window over here and, and it gets a lot less of that shit, a lot less echo out of the, out of the room. That's yeah, great. Get, Again, nobody ever uh, cares about this. Are I've you got, like in, into mics? And yeah, man, it's audio? a real problem. It's a real problem. I've, I have purchased in the pandemic. I have purchased two, ooh, three mics, and sold at least three, no, four mics. Wow, you actually go through mics. Yeah. So this is a good question for you. We were trying to figure out for socially inept. Um, what audio to invest in for YouTube stuff. And I have a setup myself, but Jesse's getting one. And we have um, the, what I use, I switched to uh, just having the Sennheiser lav, like the pro one. It's like the MXE two or something like that, or MK, mm -hmm. I don't know, something like MKE two, something like that. Um, but we're looking between that uh, lav and a, just like a shotgun mic. What would you say? So what are you trying to, I have never been to a socially inept show. Um, so this is actually separate. This would be for like a YouTube sketch, like just in front of the camera. Oh, gotcha. Uh, yeah. I mean the, the like shotgun mics are really great for, um, if you don't want to have to like, cause so a lav mic, you either are going to have it showing, uh, yeah. or you have to put it under someone's shirt, which means you have to tape it to their chest hair. Luckily, I think Jesse is completely hairless. Exactly. Uh, and actually, I, now that I think about it, I think I've seen either I'm just confusing a different picture of Jesse for you uh, with your Oh, wait, he off. posted that. Yeah, he okay, that's that right. And that's humiliated right. me. I don't remember you being particularly hairy under your shirt either. I don't know no, if that's I natural. Am. That's true. I actually. Oh, you are hairy. Okay. Yeah. So you'll probably lose some chest hair if you do it under your shirt. And then uh, the shotgun mic's good. But you have to have like a someone. What's that called? Like a like a, a boom guy. Yeah, boom a boom guy to like, or you have to have two mics or whatever. Like, it's all workable. All that stuff's good. I would say for like, if you're gonna be inside, probably the lav is the best move. That's what I thought. Yeah, I own a couple of these. I'll send you a link after the podcast. A couple of mics that they uh, they're lav. They they look almost like the wireless setup for the Sennheiser but they actually just record straight to a, a micro or a mini SD card. And, Interesting. And so then you would just sync, you'd find somewhat, you know, you clap a clapper or something to sync the audio. Yeah. 
I don't know if people who listen to this are into this, but I could talk about this shit for fucking hours. I love, uh, that's actually part of the thing because, so I, I don't know if you guys are still, uh, friends because you did a video with Brent Pella. Yeah. Where you, where you played Donald Trump and he played Joe Biden. And then you stopped doing videos together and both started doing your own Trump and Biden separate from each other. Well, he doesn't do a Trump. Has he not done a Trump? That was probably me. No, oh, maybe it was. I thought I'd seen him do a Trump. He doesn't do Trump. I do Biden, though. Yeah, I know you do Biden. And you do, I will say, like, I think you do the best Trump. A lot of people do a Trump. But there's one, Your vo the voice is good. But like I think I told you this in the email. Like, the writing, it's it's hard to write for that dude and say something that's funnier than the shit he was already saying. I know. He's just inherently so funny and ridiculous. He's the funniest president we've ever had. No one's going to want that to be the case, but it's true. Like, he's so he funny. He is funny. I mean, if you actually watch his speeches, I like, some of it is very comedic. Like, he almost, I think he his, a lot of his following comes from him being funny and relatable to his, his uh, constituents. Yeah. It's funny to me, too, because so many of the people that are the most passionate about him, I feel like they would have thought he was like a city slicker. Like, yeah. I, I, I always think of that Pace Picane commercial where they're like, he got a salsa from New York City. I feel like those people are also like the most avid Trump voters. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but so I'm curious, like you've put out a lot of content. How many Trump videos have you made? Uh, I don't know. Honestly, probably like 50 or something. Oh, it feels like it's more than that. Yeah, I don't know. I've, d I've done a lot. I mean, I last year, so in 2019, Jesse and I had success with Socially Inept, and that that was good for my comedy career in that we were actually, uh, for people that don't know, Socially Inept is a, a show where we would roast people in major tech cities, like roast engineers and project managers and all that stuff. And because I, I work in tech also, I'm a software engineer. And we had success building up a show. And then in 2020, I really wanted to move towards building up me personally mm -hmm. as a comedian and like get a following. So when all of our shows were canceled, yeah, thanks. <laughs> uh, all of our shows were canceled in 2020 and all there was was like TikTok. So then I said, I was just going to post a video like every day. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's so Jesse is, I would say Jesse's one of the people that I have really enjoyed. He's always been great to me the, at the Comedy Underground. And I don't know how it started, but I somehow started talking to him about, um, about TikTok. No, I think it was about Twitter because he did something on Twitter that I guess uh, uh, isn't really working anymore, but he like gained a bunch of followers very quickly. Yeah. Like, Twitter he... had four tweets and 5,000 followers. Yeah, he would do this like weird scammy thing where he would get people. What would he do? He would just like engage with people every day and it like was, follow uh, like a hundred accounts. Yeah, I I did it and then it like stopped working. But it was like, yeah, you it was. Uh, I think I gained like a thousand followers in a month or something like that. And he did. He, so we started talking about that, and he's like, you know what, you really should do is get on TikTok. And I had, I'm like always three years behind on every social media. And yeah. so when TikTok came out, I was like, listen, I know it's crazy, but I'm going to get on TikTok. And then I got on and I'm like, I just don't get any of this. Like, I don't get what the content is. I don't understand it. And and I think what I, so I let it sit for like nine months. 
And then Jesse was, I was talking to Jesse and he was like, oh yeah, dude, I think at the time he had like 45,000 followers or something. And he's like, yeah, man, I don't know. I just like do this thing. It's not stand up, and it's got a crazy organic reach. And so I had a video hit 300,000 views today. Oh, really? Yeah. And it's like, Congrats. I'm not like a, I don't have a huge following on there, but it's the most followers I have on any social media platform, which I guess now it's just the one that I use. Cause it's like the one where, you know, the one where the, the actual milk is right. That's great. How many do you have now? Oh, I have like 16 something, 1600 something. Nice. Yeah. Congrats. Which is, I mean, I, I understand pales in comparison. I think you're, you're like, uh, 300, times, no, 300 times more than I have. Oh, I don't know. Maybe you have less. like, yeah, you're in the 300,000 over 300,000, almost 400,000, I think. Yeah. It's interesting though, because you would think that it's, it doesn't really change anything at all. Well, that's what I'm interested in is because I, cause so one thing that I'm happy about, and I'm not trying to make this like a, like a pissing contest, but I did get all those views on a stand up clip. That's cool. But, yeah, which was like I've done some shit on there that like maybe I haven't I've tried to like avoid most of the trend stuff, which I think you do too, right? Like you're you just do these uh mostly do characters, a lot of yeah, your videos characters are, or impressions or yeah, like that. A lot of your videos are Trump and Biden and I feel like that's something different than like someone who has a really popular like silhouette challenge. Who get like I don't care about that. Yeah. That's not a person that's going to come see me do stand up necessarily just because I put up a funny silhouette challenge video. Yeah, I don't, we don't, you, as comedians, it's interesting because we're, we're not using TikTok for its like purpose of right. like doing like dances and like silhouette challenges or like random ass things. Yeah. We're just like posting comment. It's like, it's almost like a, this like loophole of like using this, ex, you know, uh, medium that gives you such high exposure. We're using it for comedy. Yeah. Yeah, and it's crazy to think like three hundred thousand people, and you know maybe there's like duplicate views or whatever, but like three hundred thousand people saw this clip. I think the the thing that I had the most views on before that I had like forty thousand. The stand That's I gained, crazy, I gained absolutely nothing from those forty thousand, like uh, on a stand up clip, but and it's like on uh, Comedy Juice's YouTube, right? Forty thousand views across all the things, and just nothing, like not a. Not a Facebook like, not a Twitter follow, not a YouTube subscription, nothing. It's crazy. It's less it's less important than than you originally think, like the whole idea of being viral or getting a lot of views. But then once it happens and you sort of slowly start accumulating views, then it becomes more of like you can kind of visualize how it can become a career. But yeah. I'm trying to like I'm kind of rambling, but so from a place of like not having followers, you really like don't know the space at all. Like you, I mean, unless you have friends that have been in it, uh, I'm not, I'm not saying you just like anyone. Um, Cause I, this is like where I came from. I'm like, huh? Like, what is this space? Like, it's crazy to get 30. I remember I first had a viral video in 2016. One of my, um, my old sketch group, we posted a video and it got shared on Facebook and then got 30,000 views. And at the time I thought that was like crazy. And then after you start to see how it equates to, um, you know, people going to your channel, liking your content, people reaching out to you, you start to see how it could become, you know, a sustainable, even like career trajectory or a source of income. And that's only by seeing 
so many different people go viral with different types of content and like really understanding their career trajectories. Like for example, I, I know this kid who um, he went to UCLA with me for, he studied abroad for one year and he was doing this like magic and pranks and they were so dumb and everyone was like, dude, these videos suck. Like he would like go up to girls on campus and like, all right. Um, if I guess you're called, you have to kiss me on the lips. And they were just like, these like weird, like old school, like two thousands vibes things that everyone was like, this sucks. But one of his videos blew up and got like a couple million views. And now this kid is, I think last month he had the, um, most views on all of Facebook Whoa. on like all of it. This kid is Julius Dean and he uh-huh. may, and then when you see that kind of growth and like what that pays, he literally made, I think, like a million dollars or something Dude. or more in a month. Like you see these different sources of income and like, it, I don't know. I know that was kind of rambling, but. No, that's fine. The, the, <laughs> uh, it's not like we're not, you know, it's not an NPR podcast, dude. Like, uh, I think it's interesting when you get into comedy far enough and you start to see it's like, I, so when I went to college, it was to do like, um, business administration and journalism and business administration is like pretty vague but it's like a lot of boring jobs you could get with that and then journalism's like an exciting job but you're like how do i make money like how can i make real money as a journalist because for 50 years you got to be like a reporter i'm not uh tv anchor attractive so uh <laughs> it's like like where do i like what is the path the path feels so like ethereal and lucky and then comedy gets you to this thing where you're like, I've what I've noticed in the last couple of years is I can go like, oh, I can see where there's like an $80,000 a year career there. I'm not there, but like I can see, you know, with the right breaks. And actually, if I, if, you know, if I ever write a goddamn joke again, uh, yeah. I could, I could, you know, I could see that out there. And that's kind of like the TikTok thing. I'm a like a stats guy and I'm looking at it and I'm like, okay, so I gained whatever, like a 1500 followers off this one video. Basically. Um, there's been a couple other videos that have gone right, but it's like, uh, 40,000 people liked it. So that's if only people that liked it, it's still like a pretty, like the conversion rate is still relatively low. And then I look at even like your videos or some other, like Seattle comics are kicking ass on TikTok overall. Oh like, yeah, I'm, like Chris Mejia and Bo are yeah. doing pretty well. There are the yeah, other Je- people too. Jesse's. Uh, oh yeah, Jesse Dragon character, uh, which hasn't posted him forever. I'm yeah, gonna like, have him on eventually months. to talk about it. Uh, but uh, he, like, yeah, I mean, there's people with. I mean, Todd Royce is a guy you might not even know that I've had on here a couple times. He's got like twenty five, thirty thousand followers. Like. Um, and you start to see like, oh, there's like, first off, there's some momentum that's always encouraging, but also even like the, the, what I want is to figure out how to generate like interest in watching me do stand up in other cities. Mm-hmm. And I don't, do you have an idea of that at this point? For specifically stand up? No. My strategy right now is to just. I want to grow the TikTok following and funnel it to YouTube sure. and, and Instagram. And I think that I can leverage, 
I think Instagram is going to be the best tool for like if you're touring or something because gotcha. TikTok is interesting. It's not that good for like you can have a lot of audience, but I think the value is kind of inflated um, for a couple of reasons. So on one hand, it's the best tool to immediately go viral and get seen by a ton of people. Everyone's on equal footing, whether you have no followers or you have a hundred thousand or a million followers, you have a pretty similar chance of going viral if the, the content is up to quality. I mean, if you, cause sometimes I just posted a video that I thought was funny um, that I spent time on and I did this Jeff Bezos impression and it only got like 4,000 views and I have 314,000 followers. So it doesn't really matter how many followers you have. So even though you have this audience, you can't necessarily access them. you still have to make the viral content. Whereas for Instagram, you can, regardless of the content, if you have that many followers, they're probably going to see the thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I, I mean, so I would say the one thing that matters is I have 1600 followers and I've put out some videos that I thought were good that get like 200 views instead of 4,000 views, right? Like you're the bar for disappointment keeps going up. I think. Oh yeah, of course. Um, but yeah, I think I actually, the, the interesting thing about TikTok one, the thing you said about it being inflated, I completely agree with, especially at this point where there's it's so nonlinear, right? Like with Twitter or with Instagram, to some degree, you have a timeline and things like are, you know, you, they're at least in some order. And TikTok, it feels like it's just coming at you based on like the algorithm feels like it's uh, more of a spray pattern than a than a yeah. like a really uh, precise shot. And so, yeah, like that that feels I wonder if they'll switch that as time goes on because I think that, oh, excuse me, uh, I think that Instagram and Twitter started a little more democratic than they are now, and now it's like it's really hard to grow on Twitter or yeah, grow on it, Instagram. It it's interesting that you said the nonlinear thing because that that is a good point. Like I didn't even consider that, but if you were going to post about a comedy show. It's like what the video might resurface from three weeks ago or like yeah. you might have a show this like upcoming weekend and it won't show until it wouldn't do well. Yeah. Because it's no, know, made that's... for true content, not like, you know, personal announcements and stuff like Instagram is. And Instagram and Twitter, like you said, they're so prohibitive. It's hard to grow. So that's why Twitter's the, I mean, TikTok's the best opportunity. I had no luck on Instagram and Twitter. I, for like years, I just had no luck. I was just totally demotivated. So yeah, because so I think that the way that you would think would be, this is what's discouraging. So the thing you would think the way that to do it then would be to do the live thing on TikTok. But even like, I've seen you know my my friend Todd Royce does he goes live a lot. Uh, I don't know if I think it's like that fun to do. It doesn't look that fun to me. I've done it once and it was like fine, but I don't know. I did it for like a half hour. He'll, you know, some people are on there for like three hours. Jeez. But even then, his is like 25 people watching. So like, you're like, yeah, you're at the top of their timeline, but are they 25 people in in uh, Charleston, South Carolina, wherever yeah. you might be going next for stand-up? You know what I mean? It's probably not the best strategy. I mean, going live is just, I look at it as more of a, I guess, a tool to engage with your fans and maybe get them to follow you on Instagram or something. But definitely, 
probably not the thing that's going to get them into your seats. I mean, to really get people in the seats, what you should theoretically, I heard of this, a guy, a comedian who has a, a text list and get literally getting people to sign up for text messages and diff- Dude, depending on the city. That's it probably does the best feel like we're, we're going back to like the way like comedy comedians used to have email lists for a long time. And it feels like we're almost headed back there. Like the, the reasonable conclusion is that you go like, there's a link to my email list in my bio on every video. And then everybody that's interested in your standup, your podcast, your YouTube channel, your whatever, like you're just collecting other, I mean, that it's not really like, obviously it's a data collection thing for everybody. That's the fear of TikTok, right? But it's like your yeah. own. Yeah, I mean, I I will be interested. I'm just going to do whatever you do. So I would love it if you me when you figure it out. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, it's not that relevant yet. So Mm -hmm. I'm not even, right now, my, it's not really on my radar because I'm not thinking about touring and doing shows like live or me personally. Mm -hmm. I'm only thinking about growing the following as big as I can. And then I think when it comes to it, I don't know yet because I, I didn't think this far ahead, but I imagine I will do some sort of subscribe list, some sort of direct contact list. Cause even Instagram, <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know, like the email list or phone list sounds the most promising. Like that'll, that's just so direct. Um, yeah. Yeah. Cause I think like the thing about Twitter is your success rate. If you have a, a million followers, right? Your success rate's still very low. Your conversion rate on ticket sales compared to people who see it. Is that true? Even on Twitter, did you say Twitter? Yeah. I mean, part of the reason is because if, I mean, like, let's say you're Burt Kreischer, you tweet, I have a show at this time in this arena, like most of your followers, almost all of your followers are not in the city where that arena is. Yeah, exactly. It's just like into a void. Same with Instagram or any of these social medias. Yeah. And because he has enough, like if there's 50,000 followers in Austin and he only needs to fill, that's where I think like the thing about stand up being able to make money is you go like, how many tickets do I need to sell on a door deal to like make a living? And it's not that many. If you sold a hundred tickets at 10 bucks a piece every night, you're in the 1%. That's, yeah, that's crazy. Um, and it's great for – that makes me just think about um, how comedians have so much flexibility now. I mean, mm-hmm. no matter however however they decide to contact their fans or build their following, I mean, if you have 100,000 followers on maybe like Twitter or Instagram, you're probably able to do that. And it's interesting, like sell those tickets – and it's interesting how a comedian can truly just rent a venue, uh, set up an Eventbrite, set up Facebook ads or like message their people and just do that now. They don't need mm-hmm. anyone else. You don't need the club. You don't like, what do you need? You don't need like to be, to have some in with the local radio station or, uh, yeah, no, I think that's, uh, it's the, the pandemic I think has democratized by pushing everything to TikTok. It's democratized a lot of this kind of stuff. A lot of the like able, the ability to grow on a social media platform, but it's also democratized comedy a lot because I don't think it's going to be, I mean, I'm sorry for the, I'm sure you're paying insane rent in LA, but I don't think you're going to necessarily have to live in LA 
permanently yeah. to like, you know, what, what are, what is, I'm sure you would do it, but like being on SNL might slow your follower growth. I know that you've, you've, uh, tweeted at us oh, yeah. <laughs> specifically or tweeted or, uh, or TikTok at them, but, uh, that would be so cool though. It would probably slow my growth, but I don't think I would care. Cause I think that would be so cool. It would just be cool. I'd be, I'd be literally doing for like for a living. I'd be doing the comedy. Yeah. Um, so I think I'd be okay with that because then you're making yeah. six figures truly doing comedy. Making six figures. Like that's figures kind of the thing. Health insurance. Like, yes, there's, I certainly think that's an acceptable life to like take a break from growing. In New York. Like yeah. Yeah. But I, but I think like even the way to get onto SNL, it's maybe easier than it used to be because some dude in LA that's just got a big TikTok following has probably there's maybe there's people that will see your impressions of whoever. And I hope so. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Talking about it, like democratizing. You're on a different coast. You didn't get a tryout. Like you're trying out every day, kind of. Yeah, I think that's what's cool about these apps is that um, it it's shortening the um, it's lowering the barriers between um, you know a, a product and the customer and the product being the performer and the customer audience right you don't need to jump through hoops you don't like before it's like you know you have the um, the customer is the person that pays to you know they go to the comedy show they go to the club and they buy tickets and they are a customer of the venue mm -hmm. and it's like this funnel of comedians going to, I'm trying to get my hand in the camera. If comedians, <laughs> they're going to like these open mics and then they like get filtered up through like, you know, whatever processes there are some, you know, they keep doing the rings of open mics and then maybe eventually they'll become, you know, an MC, maybe eventually become a feature because some booker or whatever likes them, however it works. And then eventually they get placed onto the stage and they get put in front of the crowd of the actual customers. It's mm -hmm. such a, that's like how it was. That's how it was in the eighties or nineties up until like all these social media apps and the internet. But now yeah. it's truly like, you know, the people just present themselves directly to the fans now, and you don't need these middlemen. And a lot of comedians have a very fixed mindset about things because they're, they think that their trajectory and growth necessitates um, the, the old routes of, you know, getting on like late night or, mm. or going through these clubs and, and doing this, but you actually don't have to do that. It's yeah, not I agree. Like, necessary. I, th I think that the, well, and anymore too, by the way, like the, the term like YouTube, I'm sure TikTok star or vine star or whatever, there were these people f selling out comedy clubs. Somebody's going to use that as a pejorative, but there's a lot of comics who are who are real comics who are going viral on these platforms, right? Like, I know Brent Pella, when Brent Pella, like his, I did a show with him several years ago, a stand-up show where I emceed and he featured, and like, I think he's a fine comic, but I bet he could sell a lot more tickets than the like type of person that an agent thinks could sell tickets or like an agency thinks could sell tickets because he's like built this following on his own. And like, I, again, he's like a fine comic. He's like an amazing sketch writer and producer. And if that's the thing that sells tickets, then that's the thing that sells tickets. Yeah. I have no, like personally, I'm going to do this. I was going to do this already. And it's going to feel like I've, 
use this. I'm going to do a, a short, we'll see how it goes, segment on uh, TikTok of just bad impressions. I'm not good at impressions. We're <laughs> under, you're under no threat. I have These are my two impressions. I have the uh, the sound from Doug, the cartoon, when they would transition scenes, and my wife's uh, childhood neighbor, Greg. I, those are my two good impressions. They're not very profitable or marketable, I don't think. I'm excited. Yeah, I was gonna do them into TikTok, but I'll give you I'll give you the Doug one right now. All right. Are yeah, you familiar let's hear with it. The, the television program Doug? Yeah, I think I was five, but I, I used to watch it. Okay, so, so then I wanna make sure that I say this because I don't know what Disney did to it when they took it. There was a Nickelodeon version. My wife and I were talking about this the other day. Nickelodeon, every show had like jokes for adults. And it felt like when something went to Disney, they stripped all the the jokes for adults. And it was just like, so maybe this, maybe even this thing was a little, okay. I didn't even know Doug went to Disney. That's crazy. Yeah, it was, it was Nickelodeon for like five years and then Disney for a while. But this is the noise. Tell me if you recognize this noise. And, uh, you know, also extol me with how great the impression is. Ready? Dude. Remember that noise? That's not bad. That was was not bad. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's it. That's, uh, if SNL needs someone to do a Doug sketch. I'm the guy. Dude, that'd be amazing. You could replace a lot of um you could get like some get some foley action. I think we kill all the foley people and I just do that noise in place of anything that they may need. Uh we don't even need to- real like sounds. Like we don't need real ambient noise anymore. You could just be that dude. Yeah, dude. Could you imagine if you walked into a place and that soothing noise was just on repeat in the background? Dude. It'd be very meditative. Cafes would love that. I'm sure you could <laughs> record for cafes. I'm not going to do a uh, Greg for you because I don't have any self-esteem about it yet. Greg is my wife's uh, childhood neighbor. But again, my the, the funny thing, obviously, is that nobody knows Greg, right? Like, it's funny because I do a dead-on impression of this dude that, like, seven people in the world know who he is. Dude, I love that. I think that could do well. That, that could be yeah. a niche, doing impressions of people that no one knows. I end up doing that inadvertently, I think. Oh, yeah, that's true. You you had one that made me laugh uh, the other day, like East Coast grandparents on Zoom or something like that. Yeah, East Coast uncle. (laughs) Oh, yeah, East Coast uncle. And then I think there was something about, like, was there a grandparents on Zoom one? I think it was Biden. Oh, okay. Okay. It it might have been Biden. Basically the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, those the the East Coast uncle one was very funny because you and you're from the East Coast originally, right? Yeah, yeah. How long? Because you you don't sound like you're from the East Coast when I, I talk to you like right a now, dumb surfer bro. Yeah, you're, you're, know what I you're slipping like. into like a method acting of Jeff Bezos is what I'm worried. <laughs> I sound like hey, what's up, man? <laughs> um, I don't know how I sound like this. I remember when I moved to Seattle, I met Jesse, and the first thing he told me what he thought about me he was like, he's like, dude, this kid's hella dumb dude <laughs> he is so dumb um that was my impression i don't know why i sound like this probably from moving to california when i was 18 um but everyone on the east coast is uh, a really angry italian american that's just how it is <laughs> even like if you're all- dominican and happy with your life you're an angry yeah, italian american totally everyone is they're just like you stupid what the fuck you motherfucker hey we got a garbage route down by uh hackensack i don't like no i feel like that's the thing they would say um all my relatives own like construction companies or uh garbage do. lines uh 
If I learned anything from The Sopranos is that if your name ends in a vowel, you're involved in uh, some shady public you service. You might be. You might be. <laughs> it's true. Dude, it's crazy because I see people on TikTok. There's um, like Nikki Smigs and then there's this other kid. I don't know. But I feel out Italian on that. <laughs> like, I feel like I there's no point in even doing it. Like, there's like a really subculture of like hard – Italian people, mm -hmm. like Italian Americans on TikTok that do like comedy. Is it I don't know like if you ever seen this? I, can we call them the TikTok Nikki Mafia? Nikki Cass. I think so. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if that's insensitive. I'm like a uh, British, and uh, like way less Irish than you'd think. And uh, oh man, what's the other one? It's all garbage. I feel like you're all... like Welsh or some, yeah. Oh yeah, or Scottish, Scandinavian. Oh yeah, I got some Scandinavian for sure. There's a little bit. There's a, less Norwegian than you'd think, also like on on appearance. Um, but you look yeah, Nordic. Yeah, yeah. I got. I'm, <laughs> I'm a little bit. I'm a little bit Nordic, apart from like not being incredibly tall or uh, uh, statuesque. You know what I mean? You're probably powerful. Yeah, I, in some ways, in certain ways, very powerful. Um, what? So, are you mostly Italian in your eyebrows? Or yes, <laughs> my, my eyebrows are both Italian and the rest of me is just Jewish. Your eyebrows are each 100% Italian and, yeah, and which makes Italian. you 200% Italian. I'm 200%. And then everything else is the Jewish part of me. I see. Is Nasso Nasso is an Italian last name, right? It is. It's Italian. It actually means nose. Really flattering. <laughs> Naso is a nose, I'm pretty sure. Well, what's really nice about that is you've picked two cultures that are not known for their nose, so it doesn't stick out uh, in any way. It's fantastic. Truly a gift. Are you, so you, and you are, you are Jewish? Is that true? I am, but, you know, I haven't done that many Jewish things recently. I, I don't feel like I've, I should, I don't know. I, 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 I like am Jewish. Every Jew I meet, by the way, is like, they're not, I don't know if I've ever met a, uh, like a, a practicing, practicing Jew. Jew in my life. Yeah, it's a weird. Th it's a one religion where like the the people they don't do it, they don't practice it. I don't know. Yeah, why. that's my favorite part about it. I think it's just like a culture. I guess it's like a, it's more cultural. Yeah, my wife know. is one quarter Jewish, which she found out because I found out that her grandpa was Jewish, and the rest of the family was like, "Oh yeah, I guess so, huh." Like they that's how know. passive his Judaism was. Yeah, he had, <laughs> a, he had a pickle recipe, and I was like, "Wait, is is he was he Jewish? He's he's passed away <laughs> years ago." And they were like, "Oh yeah, I guess he was. Like he lived in like a part of. It's funny because he probably also lived in a part of town that was not super friendly to the Jews. And uh, I love uh, how the pickle recipe gave it away. <laughs> <laughs> like, is he a Jew? <laughs> How did you have this epiphany? It's all suspicious. I think, it's yeah, I mean, I certainly... A little too good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I might have been stereotyping slightly when I asked the question, but... And uh, then you guessed right. Yeah. Who, who is, like, racist and then correct? I don't know. That's, <laughs> just, like, what, is he black? Actually, in fact, yeah, he is black. He's yeah. a black man. Oh, okay, great. Uh, uh, yeah, that's that's funny. Uh, so, any, I guess uh, I guess my family, my daughter's one eighth Jewish, I think. So I'm a I'm a father of a a young Jewish woman. Um, wow! Wait, yeah. you're because of that grandfather. Yeah, but I don't think I know that. Would like, that the, a, would that make her a sixteenth? My wife is one quarter. 
One quarter. Yeah. Because she has four grandparents and you have four. Oh, yeah, that's eight. Yep. He's Oops. so dumb. He's so dumb. Oops. <laughs> that's actually, you know, it's funny you say that about, and, and like I said, I haven't had Jesse on this. I hope that he'll he'll do it at some point. I Because he sounds dumb, before. too. That's what I was going to say. When I met Jesse and I found out he was uh, whatever Not he dumb. was, computer programmer or a software engineer, I was like, what the fuck? Like, this is the dumbest guy I've ever met. But Jesse's one of the few people you learn he's a software engineer and then realize he's still dumb. Like, <laughs> he, he doesn't know the months. He actually doesn't know the order of them. He's like, I'll be like, hey, um, I don't know. Like, let's make plans for June. He's like, June, what, what number is that? And he has to actually like think for like 30 to 45 seconds. Oh, that's upsetting. I'm sure that I'm, I don't know if he's uh, still, is he still in the, in the tech industry or is he just, no. he seems like he, he was is, just living life freely for a while. He's free. He's yeah. free. He's unemployed. No, but he, he's actually very like methodical about his, his ways. Um, and, and productive. It, yeah. I'm not. I, I'm not. Uh, I'm not talking any real shit. Jesse's like genuinely the inspiration for me getting on TikTok, or like actually trying at it. And I think like that dude. Um, there's he's gonna be successful. In I hope he's like uh, not good at comedy because that would be upsetting. But uh, <laughs> I would. I would like it if he was like. Um, like, still liked me when he ran a network, a future, whatever a network looks like in the future. You know what I mean? But you know, get that guy out of comedy because. Nobody with pecs like that should be in comedy. That's the rule. I know. Jesse and I are disqualified. Yeah. Um, well, I, Jesse is so um, like methodical and intentional about his success. There's like no way he can't, he won't like succeed. It's like he just, he like operationalized like comedy and success. It's really interesting. I had a, I, a friend of mine is a very successful comedian and uh i'm gonna omit his name right now i'm happy to tell you off the podcast but he said a thing about how um this this woman who produced the show that he and i did together he's like yeah she she was like a professional and then she kind of has brought that like professional thing to being a comedian which is like, so what that can manifest itself in is like business cards and trying to unionize open mic comedians and shit that's very annoying, right? But I kind of am like, well, I've also, like, I had a, a job, like a career when I started comedy and it's like in data analysis. And so I do apply 100% of what I've learned working for businesses to my decisions in comedy. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's great. I mean, that actually seems applicable versus somebody who just take their only learning was how to make business cards. Like you can actually <laughs> apply analysis and like use that for like, you know, what videos are doing well, what, you know, what's, I don't know, trending well, what themes are doing well. I don't know. Versus just like, let me like knock on people's doors and ask them to come to my show or something. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Whenever I hear like the, well, that's the thing about doing comedy now versus a long time ago. Also, it was nice. I'm sure in the eighties when there were 15 comedians nationwide, but also you gotta like record and send a VHS tape in the mail to get booked at a club. That's, that's I would not great. have been able to do comedy back then. That's why there were 15. Yeah. 
Yeah, the barrier to entry is so. Also, you got to come from New York or LA and have been on like Johnny Carson. You know, that's crazy. And you had to send cassette tapes everywhere, and none of those people invented Netflix. That's not. <laughs> yeah, I think <laughs> that's you think a- about how easy it is to send, and also, by the way, uh, you got to imagine that the the concentration of quality tape was a lot higher back then because the barrier of entry was so high. So now if someone owns a comedy club now and they owned a comedy club in the eighties, they got to be just like, there are no good comedians anymore. Cause I get 500 videos a day oh my and God. there's 30 of them that are good where before I got 15 videos a day and they were all great because who the fuck is going to waste their time. That's a video so true. Time? That sucks. How do they even have the time? Because they're just small businesses at the end of the day. Who the hell is yeah. going through that stuff? When's the last time you did stand-up? Um, all right. I did a Zoom show um, probably two months ago. Okay, let me ask the question differently. When's the last time you did stand-up in person? In real life? Yeah. I haven't done it in real life since March of last year. Okay. Did you? How did you feel... So I went March to, or maybe February. I think I did went March to May. I did my first Zoom show in May, and then I did some live shows in June when Washington State briefly had a period where one club was open, and then I did some like I did some backyard shows. What's what well, the other thing this has done, by the way, is I'm talking all this shit about how like every comedian has access to like their own future and also it's made the worst shows they would have been the worst shows on my calendar a year ago are the best things i did all summer right like performing for six people in a backyard is the fucking highlight of my month yeah that's all there uh, is yeah yeah so yeah it's interesting so what what did you when was the first zoom show you did you know it's funny because I almost feel like a non-comic now by how little stand-up I've done or had desire to do. And I strategically, or not strategically, I just intentionally didn't want to do stand-up for the past year because I thought there was no point. I really thought that, you know, going to a Zoom, I could, you know, there's opportunity cost to these things. So like, go do a Zoom open mic. Like, sure, you're going to get better at writing jokes. But at the end of the day, you're practicing for a, a transient medium that, mm-hmm. in my opinion, won't last. I mean, maybe in some form it will, yeah. it might, but like that's not what I want to do. So I think that a virtual show might exist, but I don't think it's going to be Zoom. It won't be Zoom. Maybe they'll have some like sick like VR shows, like an yeah. Oculus or something. <laughs> Did you know there is a VR stand-up uh, game? I think I saw it. I I didn't actually like participate, but I saw like something about that. It's on on Steam. I signed up for it because I was like five bucks. Because when Zoom shows started, I was like, how great would it be if if I'm going to go to a bad open mic if I didn't have to leave my house for that? Comedy night on Steam? Yeah. It's uh, crazy. So I looked it up and I was like, it was five bucks. And I was like, five bucks, I'll pay to check it out. And then all the reviews were like, it used to be good, and now it's just racist heckling. <laughs> That's the exact evolution. Wow, like the full evolution of stand-up comedy in like what 
a couple months of this app. Yeah, I think it's been out for 18 months, but there's only been a need since mid 2020. And uh, that's amazing. That's like literally what, like 1960s to ni- to 2020 stand up comedy compressed into 18 months. Now it's yeah, just is that an open mic act going? It's uh, I so I went on it. I wanted to check it out, and it's like, first off. They have like, did are you a video game guy at all? Have you ever been a video game guy? I used to be. I haven't okay. played recently though. So no. my biggest exposure to like multiplayer video games was actually the Counter Strike, uh, like whatever the like old Counter Strike. Yeah. And I, there used to be like you'd go on and even like at you know two in the morning uh, Pacific time, there'd be you know 150 active servers playing so like that was kind of when i I was thinking i was like oh there's going to be all these rooms on comedy night on steam and you go on and there's like one open mic where it's like this is the specific thing we're doing if you don't want to do that shit don't come and it's something wild it's like it's it's like truly like let's be racist on a microphone or something and then and then you go into one and it's like one guy just like doing open mic jokes to one other person in the and they're not even like open mic jokes it's like street jokes because these aren't comics that's so crazy it's so chaotic i've only logged into it twice i don't think i will ever it's ever going to i don't think it's going to catch on but i was thinking like it, it's 16 it's 16 seats in this like virtual comedy club and if all those people were mic'd and behaving 16's plenty to have like a fun show Wow. That your experience sounds still better than an LA open mic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's... Like, wow. Just one person. You're just t- being racist to one person. I don't even know what that is. That's not stand up. What is that? That's nothing. That's harassment. What is, <laughs> what is, what is the medium of being racist to one person? That's not any creative expression. I don't know what the fuck. I think, I think it's just a hate crime. It's literally just a one-on-one HR hate crime, like terrible (laughs) thing. Um, Uh, But yeah, I don't know. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, you're fine. I uh, so what? What was your like experience? How many Zoom shows have you done? And like, how did it work for you? (laughs) Yeah, um, everyone's gonna be like, okay, this guy doesn't do comedy. Um, I did like literally three Zoom shows, I think, maybe less. No, we did one for socially inept. And that was actually funny. Um, and we made money from it. We made like 700 bucks, oh, actually, great. which is crazy. Um, and then Speaking of which, you guys, you guys, I'm sure make pretty good money doing that show. Yeah, um, I'll get into that. I want to I'll talk about that. So for Zoom, um, yeah, I did that. And then I was asked to do my friend's show from UCLA. And he ran it. Um, he runs a Zoom show in New York. Not that mad. It's good Zoom. And it was pretty good. Actually, this was in August. And I haven't done stand-up in like seven months at this no, wait, no, five months at this point. And I did really well, surprisingly. Oh wait, no, it was October. So it was, uh, I guess that was seven months. And I literally wrote all new bits. I just turned my TikToks into bits. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, huh. And I actually killed. And that made me realize, and I haven't been doing Zoom mics or anything. Maybe it was an anomaly. I don't know. But it made me realize that, huh, maybe my strategy is okay. I'm writing for these TikTok um, videos and making these sketches that I can translate over to stand-up. I don't need to be doing – 
It's an opportunity cost. This is what I was getting at. So I, and I did another one after and I actually did bomb. I did his show again. It was terrible. <laughs> but um, I think that in terms of opportunity cost, going and investing a couple hours making TikTok videos and growing your following, that'll be a long-term investment in having more followers on TikTok and Instagram that will help you down the line with getting people into seats versus going through the motions of doing like a Zoom open mic or a show with five people, while that will help you improve your joke writing skills, it won't, in my opinion, improve your delivery for actual standup because you're not actually doing standup. I mean, I guess if it's an outdoor show for five people, it's technically still standup. But um, doing a Zoom show, you're not like really improving your in-person delivery. Yeah, there's so, there's an issue with, I mean, it, you do hear laughs, but there's like a latency issue, right? Where your timing is just, your, your timing and your like ability to even hear the response are altered by the internet, by either exactly. the, yeah. So imagine you're doing an open mic, but now uh, think of it this way. It's like, imagine you spend three hours at a, a shitty open mic in real life. But then if you spend the same amount of time on Zoom, three hours, you're actually getting maybe 50% value from it because you're you're writing jokes and then you're performing them. But the performance isn't like a true, like you're not getting a full value from that. So you're not getting a, the full, you know, um, amount of value for your time versus, um, you know, TikTok, you can kind of just grow that following. That, that's kind of my thought. And you're not really like building a following, like maybe slowly but surely with the Zoom shows, but they're probably mostly comics. And then the outdoor shows, like you might get, if there's like five or 10 people there, maybe three people will follow you. Just as it yeah. seems like you might as well just do the TikTok thing for now until shows are back. Yeah, I've I've kind of view I view the Zoom shows. So the one thing that I think you could do theoretically, and I am no example of executing this, but you could be a person who lives in Seattle or I mean fucking Boise. There's a dude in Boise that's like doing five sets a night, right? And on it, Zoom, yeah, or something. And maybe it's not five sets a night, but whatever it is, like. That's something that was never accessible. So again, I'm a stats guy. If you're getting 50% value, which I think is maybe accurate, like I'm not arguing that that's wrong, but if I could do five sets a night at 50% value, you theoretically, yeah. I think that's the, that's the like, that I, by the way, what ended up happening is I've thought that the whole time. And then the thought of like, now I got to email this guy who's, you know, got a zoom show. That's like kind of good. And I got to talk to him for three months to get him to book me on his one show. Is that what it was like? It's, I mean, I don't, so I don't even know. I just assumed it would be like the, the thing in stand up in person where it's like, they got plenty of straight white dudes on in person stand up shows. So it's just the truth is like, I'm not going to be at the front of anyone's list to book on a show. So I'm going to have to just follow up with bookers, right? Like that's the, that's the deal. Like, uh, so in order to do that during, you know, then it's like, I don't even know who the bookers are that do good shows. These zoom shows kind of come and go. Like, I don't know what ones I knew what shows were good in Seattle. I knew the places that I could like 
I thought I could make progress on a bit. Uh, You talked about Renton earlier. There was a a show there that I think some people don't like called, uh, well, it's at a place called Trenchers. I don't even know what the show's called. It's probably just called Trenchers, Comedy at Trenchers. And it's like a rowdy crowd and and a bar. And it's not like a perfect stage setup and the sound system isn't great. And sometimes they leave the TVs on, but you get to do 10, 15 minutes kind of with a low, like if you, because some people don't like it, it's not incredibly difficult for me to get on. So I knew that I could like, if I needed to do 15 to figure out this joke, or if these jokes work in this order or whatever, I can go there. Well, now it's like starting over with that, right? Like it took several years to get to the point where one, I could even handle a room like that. Two, I knew the booker well enough that I could go like, Hey man, it's Monday. Can I do your show on Tuesday? Or, Hey, it's Tuesday. Can I do your show tonight? And like starting that all over with zoom. And then it's like, then the finished product or the final product more than half the time is going to be like other comics sticking around to watch. And then I'm expected to stick around and watch. And that sucks. Yeah, it's just a different thing. It's more of a, you know, we wrote these jokes and let's share them versus this is stand-up comedy. Right. I mean, like, I guess it's still stand-up, but you're, it's more like a write. It feel, the experience seems more like a, like kind of like a writing group. But I guess it depends. If it's a mic, that's what it is. If it's actually a show and they somehow get, like, a good audience, it it could be fun, but it's also yeah. different than stand-up. So you have yeah, to know investing time mater- in a different thing. Yeah, I thought I could generate material from it, and then I I think that, like, maybe I could have written enough, but I don't know that I could have ever gotten enough quality time. And that's the other thing, too, is they're, like, all open mics. So it's, like, hmm. man, five minutes is tough to be, like, I have, like, a, a nine-minute story I want to work on. It's really hard to find a spot that will let you do that. Right. I'm literally like trying to figure out if I can do like a moth, uh zoom story slam just to be oh, like, that'd I, be cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm probably like a different audience, obviously that maybe would be a better representation of stand a standup audience because a moth audience probably pays more attention than a bunch of drunk assholes that decide to watch a zoom open mic. I can't even imagine. I've never understood why people go and watch open mics period but to be the to be the kind of hero that sits through a Zoom open mic and pays attention, That's I don't have crazy. that in me. Yeah, um, I don't know. So wait, have you been doing it or not really? Um, I've done I think ten virtual shows, and I've done um, probably now close to fifteen in person shows, and then. Uh, I have some stuff booked. I'm going to Oklahoma city in March. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. And I'm doing, uh, there's a weekend I'm going to, I mean, hopefully the, everything's better, but I'm doing, I'm a headlining skyline comedy club in really uh, August. Yeah. And so that's cool. And wait, yeah, like that, hopefully like shit's good because where's skyline it's uh, Appleton, Wisconsin. Nice. So how do you go about doing that? Um, That's what I'm curious about. I'm seeing people like start to do clubs and stuff in other places, you know, like headlining and stuff. Yeah. I mean, I think that the, like, it's the same owner as Tacoma and Spokane comedy club, both those places. So I've got like, I already get booked at both those places. So uh, we had our daughter 18 months ago. 
Oh, congrats. Yeah, it was uh, right on Steam went up. We were uh, having, you know, going into labor with our daughter. Equal accomplishments, pushing those things out. Uh, Good job. I took like six months off the road, basically. And it's not like I'm not like I'm not like a permanent like a full time road comic either. And then I literally had my I had like three weekends booked in April 2020 of just like featuring. So do you know Gabe Rutledge? Yeah. Okay. So Gabe, I'm friends with Gabe Rutledge. He's taken me on the road with him a bunch of places. And I will just go like anywhere. I'm never going to move to LA or New York. So what I figure is like, it's like that thing where you get better at basketball by playing against better basketball players. I will do any show with Gabe because he will crush and I will know how my set was not crushing. I will, there's a no better measurement to see if you are or are not crushing than that dude at a comedy club. Cause he's you know just I mean? destroying. Yeah, he's great. I did a, I did a show with him in Pendleton, Oregon at the wild horse casino. And he told me, he's like, they don't give a shit about the opener ever. I've brought a bunch of openers here. You're gonna bomb. Just, you have to do 30. You have to do 30, but you're gonna bomb. Like know in advance that you're gonna bomb. They're not going to pay attention. They don't give a shit about openers. It started out like decent and then got really bad. I had one good line on a heckler and that's it like just bombed for 30 straight minutes and then gabe went up and he struggled for like three minutes and i'm in the back you're not allowed to drink before the show like that's a rule at the the casino so i'm having my first beer i'm like taking a drink of my first beer and uh is when he turns it around and then killed in the most impossible room for 57 straight minutes wow it was so, I was like, oh my God, like I've, I've never seen him really struggle, but if it was ever going to happen, it would have been in this place. And he still just like turned it around and these people, it's like the worst possible setup for, they don't charge for comedy. They don't charge admission into the bar at all. There's this beautiful stage, but they seat people who aren't there for comedy right next to the stage. And then everybody that's there for comedy shows up like a half hour before the show, but all these people who aren't there for comedy are actually closer to the stage. There's a uh, cigarette smoke everywhere. Cause it's in a casino where you can smoke inside. Um, they leave the TVs on with like sports on it's everything that could make a room bad. It has, wow. and still and like, dude, I think people stopped watching basketball games to watch Gabe Rutledge crush in that room. That's amazing. So how long have you been doing stand up? Uh, almost six years. Oh, wow. Nice. How old are you? Nope. Uh, 34. Oh, wow. I wasn't sure if you were 34 or 24. Thank you. That's the nice thing. I could be 54. That's the other option. How old like, are so- you and how long have you been doing stand up? Cause that's going to be upsetting. I can, I can already feel it's going to be upsetting. <laughs> um, I'm 25 and Fuck I've been you. <laughs> I was going 28. I hate you. <laughs> I don't know that one. Why is Alexa getting involved? <laughs> um, and I've been doing stand-up since I was 18. So oh, I guess. Fuck you. But it's crazy. I mean, not crazy. It's it's interesting to see your path because, you know, while you see me having a lot of followers, I mean, because your whole thing is like, how can you translate the followers to, you know, tangible stage time, et cetera. You want to do your story and you want to get on shows and like headline and all that. You're kind of doing that. I mean, it sounds like you're, you're featuring and you headline. Did you headline at Tacoma? No, I haven't headlined there yet. 
But I mean, you're forgetting f- cool feature sets and getting yeah. a lot of stage time. And funny thing is, I haven't really been given the opportunity to feature that much. I got featured maybe once uh, at the Nest. They let me do like a 20 minute set. Oh, but yeah. I, I never was ever really. Me, I don't think it ever let me appear on that. I've never actually done that. That's <laughs> not true. I'm just joking. I'm sure they would let me, but I they're just very, never. They're actually very kind. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I It's a very different path and i'm probably going to get less stage time or maybe i'll get stage time now that i have followers i don't know how it works we'll see well i mean i think i think there's a thing that is um i don't like i don't want to do saturday night live like i don't want to act i don't want to do any of that i mean i would do it don't get me wrong but like i'm i have not even considered pursuing any of that i'm never going to move to la i might move to new york if well let me rephrase this if you're out there listening, agents, uh, if I had a writing job with insurance ready to go when I arrived, I'll move wherever the fuck you want. But you know, I got a family, dude. Like it's it's different. It's different to um, for me. And so I just go like I love doing stand up, and I can do the road from where. By the way, Seattle's also the Seattle area is also the worst place to do the road from. It's every the nearest like good club is Portland. So three hour drive, you know, you're from the East coast, right? You drive 11 minutes and you're in the second state. Like it's everything is so close over there. But I, like I said, there's like one, if you could build a following, I feel like, um, it's possible to do the road in a way that I could keep my marriage and my family life intact and also be able to like make a living. Not, it's not happening yet. Don't get me wrong, but I think so. Um, so two things before we, I know, um, I think, I don't know if we are going to end soon, but uh, two things I wanted to say. I'll go so, as long if whatever you're, when, when, when do you need to be off? Um, probably like 10 more minutes. Okay. That's fine. Yeah. But, um, you, we talked about, um, the show making money and I, uh, socially apt. And I do think that is a weird loophole to this whole thing. It's funny. Like it's almost so circuitous to be like, Oh, I want to do stand up, so I'm going to make videos so I can get followers, so I can get them to go let watch me do stand up. It seems mm-hmm. so roundabout versus a more natural approach is you have a show and you just advertise it, right? Yeah. But it's when you're a person, you need to have your brand is nothing because if you don't have followers, because they don't mm-hmm. know who you are. But if it's a concept, then you circumvent that whole problem. Yeah. So that's kind of what we did was we advertised our show to a specific niche of people and made it for a specific group of people. And we circumvented the fact that we're nobodies in comedy mm-hmm. and we're able to sell you know, thousands of dollars worth of tickets to these shows because there was a market. Mm-hmm. And we just tapped into that. Well, yeah, you, not only is there a market, but it's also probably a market that's not being served in any way specific to their interests, right? Like that, if you put what, my imagination of what a socially inept show is, if you put that in front of uh, some 40-year-old blue-collar working-class people in I- Iowa, it's like, maybe this? not going to connect with them, right? Yeah. But that, But also if you put... Uh, uh, what's the dude's name? Uh, Billy Gardell in front of an Indian, 
a software engineer, that might not connect with him either, right? And he's not yeah. necessarily being served in a way that's there's a lot of Billy Gardell folks out there that'll per- enjoy Billy Gardell fine. So I don't know if it was intentional or I mean it's probably mostly just that you guys come from that world and so you could do the show like uh where Billy Gardell doesn't know enough about he couldn't try to make a a show about uh the tech industry, right? Yeah. It is this thing of us being insiders that gives us an advantage. Um but I don't know. I mean I wonder if even if we weren't because it's just our premises, comedians roast techies. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I don't even know if in our advertisements we reveal that we are in tech. I guess some places we do. Well, that's uh, interesting. it's interesting. You should let me yeah. come roast some tech folks one of these days when you're. Yeah, when dude. You're when we do another show. show. Yeah, I don't Who technically work in in tech. I'm like on the outskirts of. I can write SQL. That's as good as I get. That's good. Yeah. Um. So yeah, but that's like your. How many of those shows are you doing a year? And it's, I mean, it's truly got to be thousands of dollars per show. Yeah, it is. I mean, we've done, 2019 was our big year where we did the most shows. And I don't know how many we did, maybe 20. Oh, that's great. Uh, um, I think we did, we did some in Bellevue at, at um, what was it? Parlor? Yeah. Yeah. Bellevue, um, Laughs, we did it at... Um, in Mountain View, we did a show in a 200-seat theater. We did a 300-seat one in um, San Francisco. We found a good venue that we like. Um, Austin, Texas, Denver. Austin, we lost money. Denver, we lost money. New York, we like broke even or something like that. Wow, um, really? Yeah, but that, it was, it was not, cool. Did the tickets not sell well, or did the venue cost a lot? Um. Austin and, and New York, the tickets did worse. The markets that killed were obviously Silicon Valley, like Mountain View, San Francisco, and mm-hmm. Seattle kill. And the other cities were kind of lackluster, but I, we don't know. We, we want to do them again. I wonder if you, not to like give you guys advice where I'm sure you guys are thinking about this a lot more than I am, but I wonder if you like, I don't know if you need to do like, why don't you just do like a week in Silicon Valley? You know what I mean? Like, why, it, first off, if they're selling out, that means there's more people. Do you know how many people would like – If how big of a venue could you do or how many shows could you do? So the most economical thing, and this is such good practice for when we eventually even have our own followings and do these shows, but um, it's more economical to do a bigger show mm-hmm. with like sell tickets to a bigger venue than to have multiple shows. Because sure. you the, reduce the – that's the least amount of cost. Is the experience for the audience member so – I'm, I'm asking, not accusing. Is the experience for the audience member worse or – oh, I guess it doesn't really matter. So, like, for me, like, when I think of – when you go into those, like, uh, fantasies about, like, oh, yeah, when I get to that point, I'll still do clubs. Like, the reason I think it's fun to do clubs is because I really love doing stand-up, right? So, like – even if I, you know, theoretically in a, in a dream world where I could sell out theaters easily, I still think like being able to do six shows in a weekend has some value, um, for me. And I, but I don't know if that's necessarily true for this. I don't know. I'm curious. Oh, no, it's true. I mean, the, when I say theaters, they're honestly more like improv theaters or auditoriums, okay. like not like 30 person theaters, but they're like 
between 70 and 300, it could be a small gradient of difference for experience. Like it is fun to have the 70 person rooms that are packed. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't vary that much. I imagine the experience would be more drastically different if it was like 500 to a thousand plus. You might need to have some like, at that point, you almost might want to have like a projector with like an image of what's because the person, yeah. does the person come on stage to be roasted? Yeah, so it's stand-up comedy, and then we roast these tech people. And a lot of the venues will have that. It is oh, cool. it looks cool. so cool when you have that too. You just, have you, you released just feel any of the clips of that, or do people? Do you yeah. People, oh, that's cool. That's another. Um, that's another like good, stream but... of revenue and promotion. By the way, that like I think it's a brilliant show concept. Thanks so much. Yeah, I mean, we're excited to get it started again. I mean, it sucks because. We had so much momentum, and right when we were going to have our big blowout year, we had to stop. I know. Well, that's, I mean, I think, unfortunately, like... That's everyone. Yeah, it's everybody, and I also think that, and I'm not saying you guys are this, but also I think a lot of people have a lot of, like, false, um, like, false idea. They have a false idea of what their 2020 would have been like. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I think, like, I mean, of course not me, and of course not you, but uh, some of these other people maybe had a false idea. I, I mean, I, I think that's, like, that's everyone's I only story. say this because we did actually, we were, up until March, we had sold out our shows, and we were on track to selling out our March show, and then we had to refund Yo, it. No, I, I, I believe it. I'm not, <laughs> I was being sarcastic, but I, I, like, I had a bunch of shit. I had more shit booked in 2020 than in 2019, it, when it when the the shit ended like i was gonna i was on track to probably increase without even factoring in like the increase in merch sales potentially would have been uh like a 50 percent increase in comedy revenue damn yeah and then uh you know obviously we're all cooped up in our our homes now um, i think there's gonna be some pent-up angst for people to go watch comedy live when it's up. When yeah. It feels like I've talked to the aforementioned Gabe Rutledge, who's like kind of done the road carefully throughout this whole thing, going to like, you know, obviously like red States that are still doing comedy. And he's said that it's like throughout it, it's been kind of like the, the desire, the demand for comedy seems low, but recently it's picked up everywhere. That's cool. Yeah. So that's I think like news. as uh as places open up and you know I'm pretty excited to no longer talk about this fucking vaccine um like because everyone has it uh hopefully the demand actually like bounces back even better than I hope it was. So. Uh okay, I want to I'm going to talk about one last thing before oh, I'm going to ask this question. I have two questions. Sure. Uh how does the audience at a socially inept show uh, it's funny because that sounds like I'm describing it negatively, <laughs> but how does no, the audience there differ from, like, if you put those people in a comedy club, are they the same audience? No way. They're scared. No, they're nice. They're like, they're very, they're people that like, I feel like wouldn't usually go out to see a show. Sure. So they're like more conditioned to being in a, a corporate seminar. Yeah, that's actually what show. I was gonna wonder. Is it does it have like the like inside tech industry jokes like you could crush at a tech like my friend is an actuary and he loves baseball stats. 
So, he, like, we're perfectly aligned. And so he's the funniest person I know, maybe, but the the potential audience is me and nobody else in the entire <laughs> world, right? Like, he will write a perfect joke that hits me perfectly, but there's no other audience for it. And I wonder, is that, like, like you could also crush if you did that show at a seminar, right? So, kind of, because it's almost like this weird fever dream of like if you could say whatever you want at like a tech seminar where like it's the vibe as everyone's kind of i mean there's a lot of young people some older people you know techie people but they're not necessarily prepared for us to be like say offensive shit or like that kind of thing so it kind of catches them off guard at first and then they like it and it's fun but like at a corporate event if you did that, they would all be nervous and freaking out sure. because they know that we're getting like going to get in trouble. Like, are we allowed to say this? Like, yeah, HR is there. Yeah. But we're like, this is our show. So we can do whatever we want versus like, this is their company's show. Like they feel uncomfortable. Yeah. That makes sense. All right. The last uh, thing I presume that you are like a left leaning person, but the videos you do of Trump and Biden do a thing that I like out of comedy of any kind, which is I don't think you reveal your political leanings in those videos, meaning you make videos that make fun of Biden as hard as the videos that made fun of Trump. Yeah, totally. Um, Yeah, I I feel like I do that. I mean, I am definitely left-leaning, but I consider myself like – pretty like fairly you know left leaning in the middle um because i feel like you know both sides are so infuriating that it's just like i don't know you just have to point it out yeah yeah i've heard i've heard someone describe it a joe list uh recalling it from somebody else who i don't even think he said who it was but that it's no longer left versus right it's extreme versus moderate and I kind of feel that way where it's like my moderate conservative friends. I'm like, I identify with you way more than the alt-right or Antifa. You know what I mean? Well, it's interesting because I think there's four things now. It's like you have the extreme liberal. There's like moderate left, moderate right, and then extreme right. I feel like there is a kind of a moderate left, moderate right where like it t- toes the line. I think I, I, don't know. I, I imagine, I don't know. I could be wrong. Are you, I imagine you're closer to like the moderate, right? And I'm more like, Oh no, I'm, I'm moderate left. Uh, I am moderate left, but you're I like, do have an appearance. Book me in that, Seattle, everyone. What's that? You're like, keep booking me in Seattle, please. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I'm uh, I'm certainly moderate left. I think that, I mean, I, I think there's certain things that were like, it's, we've reached like the things that I was most passionate about when I was young, like gay marriage and uh, well, gay marriage and marijuana legalization were probably the two things that I thought were like the most um, pressing issues have both. Like I've seen those realized in my life. So, so you're good now. You're just Republican. I mean, I'm (laughs) you're free. (laughs) I mean, there was a point where I would have considered myself like a high school libertarian. Uh, but I think a lot of us go through those phases. Um, I do too. 
I was yes. like, I'm like a high school libertarian. That's what I was. Yeah, I feel like a high school libertarian is different than a real libertarian. A hundred percent, it is because a real libertarian is still dumb. Like they're still <laughs> <laughs> they they didn't change from high school. Yeah, I mean, I think that the like the idea of like straight libertarianism is as silly as the idea of straight communism, and that's what I'm saying actually about the people who are like alt right and alt left are so similar to each other. And they spend a lot more time together, by the way, than anyone else spends and thinking about each other. Um, yeah, so that's that's kind of the the I would I'm certainly uh, left of center. I'm where I probably am most passionate now is uh, consumption tax. I think think is almost uh, completely uh, unethical. What is and, that? So consumption tax is like sales tax and gas tax and tolls on bridges and stuff because they, without fail, uh, affect poor people more than rich people. Mm. Um, and then the other thing that, but I guess this is maybe like center leaning, just like straight up center leaning. But I think that if we forgive student loan debt before we do something to narrow the racial wealth gap, it's like that's like the least ethical thing we could do as a country because college uh, graduates and even people who've gone to some college do much better than the average black person in this country or the average Native American mm, in this country. And so, like, I think that's a very electable thing to go like, hey, white liberals, we'll absolve your college or we'll dissolve your college debt. But I think it's like extremely immoral to do that before solving the problem that this government specifically created, right? Yeah. I am sort of concerned about absolving all the loan debt blindly and, like, are there repercussions to this? It sounds like that could be really bad, right? Can't that be bad for the economy? Like, just, like, printing free money? I mean, I think, yes, it absolutely could, but we've seen that it's, like, they're willing to do that and the like for reparations for example for slave reparations reparations for slavery the numbers i've seen are like oh it's like you know it would it would take i think if you gave every black person in this country $50,000 it would be 2 trillion dollars our hmm. uh, our last cuz there's like 40 million black people in this country yeah uh the like i think there's been two 2 trillion dollar relief bills yeah for covid in the pandemic and like like over a billion in each one went to corporations and not people. So I just have a hard time with the idea. I'm not saying it's that simple, but it's like, I have a hard time with the idea that like, Oh, this is like a, yes. I mean, they could do student loan relief probably similarly easily, but again, it's like you're giving money to people who on average have and make more money. Yeah. Like they decided that they could afford this debt and, or, uh, that's kind of, but like they're already more inclined to come from more affluent backgrounds. M- come from more affluent backgrounds or have like, what are we trying to create equal outcomes or equal opportunity? And I think what we've shifted to as a country is cl- something closer to equal outcomes. And if that's the case, then these people already are going to have a better outcome on average. I think it's just got, mm-hmm. it's got to be need-based if it's going to exist. And hopefully that is what they do is they focus that money on people who have, taken careers that don't pay enough but are very important to the fabric of society like social workers or whatever 
Um, and then also people who just simply like their career is obsolete or just people who are poor in general. I don't know why we have to moralize everyone's decision. I do think if we make college free, we probably got to get rid of, uh, theater programs, unfortunately. Yeah. We're going to have to cut those. (laughs) I guess that's like, that's probably like the closest I get to right leaning is the college loan debt thing. And, uh, and, uh, the, if we make college free, we got to get rid of like most liberal arts schools can't you i don't need someone being babysat from 18 to 22 necessarily yeah you know? <laughs> i know that's like a shitty uh like broy view of it but i don't think that yeah i also think it's by the way the, the other thing about student loan that debt that's shitty is you make a person who doesn't have a college degree help pay for someone's degree by using tax money to pay for that and that's kind of shitty. Mm. Yeah. Like you make, you make them pay for that other person to advance in their career and wealth accumulation while they're driving a forklift in Denver. You know what I mean? Yeah. If they use the tax money, is that the plan? They were going to use tax dollars to Well, that's all, all the dollars are tax dollars. Don't they just make more money too? Like this COVID? Yeah. Yeah. That's technically, yes, they do. But eventually that's like the deficit. It's just debt, right? It's debt that we pay back with tax money. Cause I'm, yeah, I don't know how, I wonder how the accounting of all that works. Cause I know all, every government, like all the municipalities and state governments are like, aren't they all in like massive debt right now from the, the relief plans? Yeah. Cause they're, cause, and the reason is because they've had to shut down their rating centers, which are local businesses. Yeah. So all their tax revenue, all their ticketing revenue from like citations and stuff, it's all going down the drain. So when whatever is deficit of that, I imagine the treasury just prints or like usually what the state uh, city will have a deficit. Then they'll ask the county. And then if the county has a deficit, they'll ask the state for more money. And if the state, they ask the federal government, then the federal government's out of money, then they just print it. Or they borrow it from, or they borrow it from bonds, or other countries. Like we have trillions of dollars in debt uh, to other countries, and and so like, yeah. So I, I think that's like, listen, man, we're not gonna. I'm not gonna solve the. We you we. I think we've reached the very like. I'm a balloon about to pop. We've done every bit of my knowledge <laughs> of this. I'm I'm open to the idea that it's not like a perfect. I don't have a perfect. I'm not even not only am I open to the idea, I'm certain I don't have a perfect view of what any of the uh, effects of this would do. Like I'm just going off of like rudimentary game theory, but I think it's like insane for us to uh, <laughs> keep taxing poor people. Yeah. You know, like poor people pay on average more, a higher percentage of tax than rich people. Really. Overall, because you fact if you factor in all the consumption taxes, all the all the other taxes, they end up paying more overall, and they have obviously less disposable income to pay those taxes out of. So, like that's a problem we should solve. Oh wait, did you chat with me in the private chat? <laughs> oh shit, what are we? What kind of? Oh yes, we. <laughs> I see good message you if we can end in two minutes. Yeah, that's fine. We can end it now. Can you? Uh, I mean, I'll do it in the I'll do it in the intro, but tell them about your TikTok and your. Uh, 
your Twitter and all that. Yes, please follow me um, at Austin Nasso. Uh, last name is N, like Nancy A S S O. And um, yeah, hope to see you guys at some shows. Follow, watch my YouTube. I'm working on my YouTube channel now. I'm posting longer, stupider content there. Just Austin. I'm Austin Nasso on everything. Cool. And I'm sorry if I kept you late. No, I, you're good. you could have ended it at any point. And next time, if we do it again, just know that you can tell me to shut the fuck up at any point. <laughs> no, this is when great. you get me down the, the left of center path, it's uh, <laughs> long winded. All right, dude. Thank you so much for having me, Casey. Appreciate yeah, it. Man. Good to, good to talk to you. And I'll, uh, I'll uh, see you later. Sweet. Let me know when it's out. See you, man. Mm-hmm.